Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I Can Do mindset. Life is what you put into it. Get the most you can. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. Hello and welcome to a new episode of I Can Do. I am Benjamin Lee. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today we have Dr. Kenny Embry on the show. Kenny is a professor of communication, father of four, and husband. He lives in the Tampa area with his wife and four children. He is also the host of Balancing the Christian Life podcast. This podcast helps Christians be better Christians. It focuses on practical ways to improve relationships with each other and God, and what it means to be a digital disciple. Kenny has had a number of guests on his show. I have also been on his show and uh, certainly appreciate that. And I would encourage you to check out his podcast because he is doing some really great things. Kenny talks a a great deal about digital discipleship, and we are going to talk a little bit about that, or actually a lot about that today. Can social media be used for good? Well, Kenny is showing us that it is possible to use social media for good. And he gives us different thoughts and tips on how we can do this and how we can build effective relationships through social media. So I hope you will uh, be motivated and encouraged in this podcast and in this conversation that I have with Dr. Kenny Embry. Here we go. Kenny, welcome to the show. How you doing? You doing all right, Benjamin? I am doing fantastic. I really appreciate you being on the show and uh, the friendship that you and I are developing. And thank you so much. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. You've done this for a long time and you've been excellent at it. So I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Let's dive right into this, Kenny. Sure. You, you and I actually met through podcasting. Uh, <laughs> it was it was via Facebook. Yeah. And you actually had my wife, Nikki, on your podcast before I think you and I actually uh, really had a conversation. Tell us, how did you get started into podcasting? I'm a college professor, Benjamin, you know that. Uh, and one of the things that was interesting to me as a college professor was to know notice how traditional media was going. Before I got into academia, I was in television. And Mm. so I had worked for a television, I worked for two different television stations. And uh, amazingly, I mean, when I was in television, Bill Clinton was in office, Mm -hmm. if that tells you anything. (laughs) So, I mean, one of the things that we noticed at that time was our our audiences were getting smaller, even though the population was getting larger. And, mm-hmm. and we recognized that, that it was going somewhere. And in the news product, in television news, we know that we're going to keep our audience until the weather forecast. So what we do is we bury that weather forecast about three quarters through the, through the, uh, through the, the entire broadcast. And so we kept on losing our audience. And, and amazingly, online, you don't have to wait for the meteorologist to tell you <laughs> what it's going to look like tomorrow. This was where media was going, and we could kind of see that, and I started seeing that very specifically. And so when I started thinking about what do I want to be a part of 
and what do I want to basically uh, uh, get a message out? Because I was interested in talking. Traditional media was not going to be it. It was, it was, uh, I, and I, I just knew this is the direction we're going. And you could see it pretty easily, especially if you were in the media. So I was excited about trying my hand at something in that. And, and you, you said accurately that, that I, I talked to Nikki before you. Benjamin, you have been on my radar for a long time. Oh, really? I, okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> I had no idea. Oh, no, no, no. I, I have known about what, you, what you've been doing for a long time. I have admired it for a long time. Well, thank you. Thank you. So uh, two questions with that. Sure. Were, you, were you then on the, like, the daily um, news? Were you one of the anchors on the news during that time? I, I, I started out in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Um, and, and one of the things that I was doing is I, was, <laughs> I started out that really glamorous position of being a cameraman. And yeah. so it's, and I'm visiting my, my folks in Kentucky right now, just, just a few miles down the road. I would, I would uh, push a camera around the floor and uh, all the anchors were buddies of mine at that point. Uh, and I, I went from there into promotions. Mm-hmm. Where I, I was, I was teasing the news. So coming up tonight at at six, or coming up tonight at five, or coming up tonight at ten, and that's what I was doing. As I was writing those promos and shooting those promos, I also had conned the uh, the news director into letting me do <laughs> some some uh, 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 feature reporting as well. Feature reporting meaning features like. If, if anybody in your audience is old enough to remember who Charles Peralt was, that was what I aspired to be. I did not have any interest in telling you who who killed who or any of that. I was much more interested in the rest of the story, you know, that old Paul Harvey line, or or talking about people who were doing worthwhile things. Mm-hmm. Because I, I felt like there was enough bad news out there already. I, one of the things I, I recognized was, television news lives and dies off, off fear and voyeurism. Um, and I wasn't interested in being part of that machine. I wanted to be a part of, here's the good stuff you can look for. Here's mm-hmm. the fun stuff. Here's the stuff that will actually make your life better. And where I live in Bowling Green, Kentucky, probably the, the story, if they know me at all on television, was a story that I did where it was me talking to the, the, the head of the Corvette plant because the Corvette plant is in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and, and they had moved from Law, uh, St. Louis to, to Bowling Green, Kentucky. And so I, I did this stupid stunt where <laughs> I, uh, I had a buddy of mine who had a Corvette. So I say, okay, uh, I think his Mark, name was Mark Cooksey. Um, I said, Mark, tell me a little bit about this, and would you mind holding this? So I gave him the microphone. And, and so I knew Miss Kentucky as well. And so I, I, I was able to do this thing where I was looking in a Corvette. I got Miss Kentucky to go in the Corvette with me. We drove off into the sunset. <laughs> that, that, is, that is the extent of my hard journalism career right there. <laughs> but it was so much fun. I, yeah. I had such a good time with that. So yeah. anyway. Well, I love the idea that you wanted to focus on things that are actually good and positive. Because you're so right. I mean, you know, the news today, there's so much pushed on fear and uh, it, it has a big impact. Was that, this is leading into the next question. Sure. Your, your podcast is called balancing the Christian life. Right. Did that play a role into how you picked what you wanted to talk about with your podcast or how did you decide this is what I'm going to focus on? 
I came up with the name Balancing the Christian Life because a buddy of mine had written a book about work-life balance. Mm-hmm. And I, I had bought him that that domain, and I said, and, and his name is Russell, uh, Russell Clayton, still a good friend of mine today. And I said, here, you need to do, you need to use this Balancing the Christian Life. I think it would help you launch your book. I think you could p- build a brand around this. I think this is a great idea. Of course, he didn't do anything with it. So I was like, if you're not going to do anything, I'm going to use it. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what I, it was, it was that idea of work-life balance. But when I started thinking about what do I want to produce, I, for my dissertation, I looked at online versus face-to-face relationships. Mm. And, and I was interested in how people were using online. And here's the thing that I know, and I still know this, and I don't know that everybody does which is that the relationships that you have online can be just as good as ones that you have face-to-face. It just takes longer. And, and really what I was looking for is I'm not interested in the stupid Biden versus Trump debate. I'm not interested in the mask debate. I'm not, in, I'm not interested in the, in, the pointless, uh, in the pointless debates that have no resolution or end and, and, and don't really help anybody. Because I, I think the disadvantage of, of, of disembodied conversations is nobody sees anybody else get hurt. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's, let me just not to put too fine a point on it, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. It's just dumb. It's stupid. It's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. But here's the other thing about this. Do you know how many people have helped me by doing really, some really earth-shattering things like saying, Kenny, that was a good job. Mm, via social media? No, via anywhere. Okay. Do, do you know how little it takes to change somebody's trajectory? Yeah. To change the, 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 the direction of somebody's life? And you know what? The same place where we have those stupid debates is the same place you can say, you know, you're doing a really good job. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate what you're doing. And that changes people's lives. Mm-hmm. I am so tired mm-hmm. of people taking pot shots at, at, at online stuff because they keep on using it for all the junk and not using it for the, the, the extreme value it can give. Yeah. And, and I, when I started thinking about the show, it wasn't that I was trying to avoid controversy. I, I will tackle some very controversial <laughs> things. But what can I learn from this? Not how can I show that somebody is an idiot? How can I show that somebody is really, you know, has bad intentions? I'm not looking for that. Look, Philippians 4, 8 was, was for a world that was ruled by a Caesar who was no prize. Yeah. And Paul still said, think about good things, please. Stop mm. thinking about the trash. Because the trash will always be with you. It doesn't take anybody, any creativity, to find the bad stuff. No. Would you please look for the good? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's a long-winded answer to say, when I was thinking about what I wanted to accomplish in my podcast, I wanted it to be something that was a bright spot. I wanted it to, to be thought-provoking. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted it to be something that built people up. Yeah. And that's what I was looking for. Does that make sense? 
It makes total sense. And I, I appreciate that. And, and certainly the the passion with it. You know, you and I talked before the podcast, you know, I've talked before. And that's that's one of the challenges that that I have had. I, I told you I got on Facebook back in 2009. Yeah. We were yeah. in Columbia, Missouri, moving to Beaumont, <laughs> Texas. We wanted to yeah. keep touch. You know, so I've had a relationship with Mark Zuckerberg for a long time. <laughs> yeah. So I, I want to dive into this a little bit more. This is really interesting because you mentioned and I'm looking at some notes here, you know, the online relationships versus face-to-face can be just as good. So yeah. one of the challenges, how would you answer some of these questions or some of this pushback? Okay. So Twitter, for example, yeah, it appears no one is ever happy on Twitter. Like if you're on, <laughs> no one is actually happy on Twitter. Right. So we know, right. I believe that algorithms, even like with Facebook, Right. When things are, you know, controversial things, anger, those are going to get more views than maybe mm-hmm. are going to be pushed through more than some of the other, you did a good job or, you know, think positive right. things that you're pushing. So what recommendations or tips would you give to someone who is trying to balance? Okay. Well, you know, many people are on uh, social media right. and it does feel like you can't live without it with how mm-hmm. we interact with work and things like that. I think we can, but what tips, recommendations would you give? How do we sift through all the negativity? You're going to have to do it like you do what you do in your, your regular life. Uh, in your regular life, it's it's awfully easy to figure out the jerks. It's awfully easy to find the people you want to avoid and you need to avoid and you need to start figuring that out is if you're going to stick with Twitter and Twitter is not my platform, but you need to start setting up lists of people that you're actually going to listen to and start actively blocking the people you won't because the people who are angry will always sound louder. They're always look bigger, but they're no more, they're no more powerful than the people. As a matter of fact, I would even argue they're less powerful because they often focus on the things they cannot change. They're just angry about and I don't think that helps anybody. I, you know that I've got a private Facebook group. It's a private group. And you'll know what, you know what I do if, if, if things start getting out of hand? I don't have any problem kicking somebody out of that group. Mm. Uh, why? Look, are you helping people or are you just sound, beating your chest and sounding off? Uh, I am looking for, I don't even mind controversy in there. Ask questions that if you legitimately have a question, what a great place to, to ask questions. If you legitimately want to know an answer to something, what a great place to, to, to find answers. But realize that the motivation of Twitter and, and uh, Facebook and Instagram is to keep you on their platforms. That's their entire motivation. Right. Because the more I have Benjamin Lee's eyeballs, Mm-hmm. The more the, the more I have his attention, the more stuff I can sell to Benjamin Lee. Mm-hmm. If I know what that's what they're trying to do, I don't have to go along with their game. Okay. If, on the other hand, I recognize that the way that they're going to try and do that is they're going to keep on through their algorithm feeding me stuff that they think are going to keep me on their platform. Why don't I start telling them the kind of stuff that I want to find? Mm. And then I find those things. 
Mm. If that's politics, if you love having the, 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 the latest politi- political debate, and let me go ahead and tell you, Facebook loves nothing more than debate. They love people who will pontificate and try to convince us. Why? Well, you are willing to stay in that fight for a long time. Are you going to convince anybody? No. But they don't care. You're going to stay in that fight for a long time, and they love it. Instead of having that stupid political debate, why don't you talk about something that makes a difference? Why don't you start helping somebody learn something about Christianity? Uh, A buddy and I, both of us have, Chris Emerson, blew me away. And this has been probably a year, maybe two now, where he... And it was, it was the silliest thing I've ever seen because he just said, anybody here interested in studying the book of James? Within an hour, he had 80 responses to that. Now, Chris has a very large platform. Chris is also an excellent guy. But you know what they talked about for the next five days? The book of James. Do you know how many times they talked about masks? Never. Do you know how many times... If they know what they're going to be talking about, if, if you can channel the discussion, people will basically do what you want them to do if you set up the tone and you give them a direction. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just let things go off by themselves, that's where you're going to have that stupid Twitter war. That's what – give them a direction. And, you know, Philippians 4.8 works just as well online – uh, the fruit of the spirit in Galatians works just as well online. The the, the, char- the, the character, the, the the stepping stones of character in Second Peter one works just as well online. But you don't get there by accident. It seems like you have to be a little bit intentional about that. Makes sense. Yeah. So what I'm taking away two words that I wrote down: direction. Yeah. So especially if you're trying to have other people in a group or listening to something or guiding something right direction, the tone, and then being focused from a personal standpoint. Uh, What is it I'm trying to get out of this? What is it that I'm going to say yes to or no to? Well, yeah, and you know this better than I do. Every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else just by by virtue of the fact that you're doing something. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And take your no seriously. Because you will say no many more times. And if you have not learned how to say no yet, learn. Um, you need to start being intentional about what no's you, you give out there. There are a lot of things that I don't do. And, and, and those are, I mean, right now, I'm happy to do this uh, with you because you and I are buddies. Uh, I have turned down a lot of things for this week. People asking me to do something. Why? I'm with my family. Um, today, I'm a family guy. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, this is important to me. Uh, I could have been dragged several different ways, but no, I'm going to be a family guy today. Does that make sense? It does make great sense. And I appreciate you saying yes. So listening to you, you can <laughs> think about the book essentialism by Greg McCowan. Yeah. I'm pronouncing his name correctly. So my next question, Kenny, how do you say no? And obviously it's more than just no, but maybe it is as easy as that. How do you say no? How do you sift through the opportunities? How 
because there's almost like an art. That's what the author of Essentialism yeah. is getting to. There's a variety of ways that we can handle certain situations. For you, how do you say no? Number one, not always well. Um, in, and I have said... <laughs> I have said yes to things that I that I have later regretted. Um, so right now I'm supposed to be working on on a course for for my university. I wish I would have said no to it. Uh, I didn't feel like I could, but but uh, I, I just have to start off by saying I wish I, I could say more no more often. Let me hit because, the pause button right there because sure. I think what you just said there is so true. I I felt the same thing too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you experienced it where for me there was excitement when I got an opportunity. Like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. But along the line, I didn't count the cost. How long did it take for you with this particular example before you said, oh, no, I should have said no? Was it the next day? Was it like a month later? Like, when did it, what was it that caused you or made you to say, oh, that was a bad idea? Well, I mean, you're talking about this course development. One of the things that I started figuring out pretty late in the game was the expectations. And, and this is what they, this was the timetable and they, they, they kind of snuck the timetable up on me and, and, and how long, how much, what, what are you going to need out of this and how much time is it going to actually make me, how much of a time I'm going to have to commit to actually making this good. And that's one of the things that I didn't know how to count the cost. And so that, that was, that was not, and, you know, I mean, the, the costs at that point were hidden. Um, I think if, if they were to ask me to do this again, I might say yes, but I now know what I'm negotiating for. I, I now know what it's going to take. And, you know, I, I think one of the things that, that's important, you asked, how do you say no? Realize that most people, when they're asking you to do something, they had to screw up some courage to do it, to ask you. And so be be cognizant of the fact that that it took some courage for them to do that, thank them for the opportunity, but then explain to them the thing of greater value that is taking its place. Um, that this, you know, I'm, I'm with my family today. We don't get to do this very often. So I'm very excited about that. If we can reconnect later, I would be happy to do that. So, I mean, just, just, just explain if you do not live your values, you will live by somebody else's values mm. and they, they will be happy to substitute their values, mm. their goals, their objectives for you. And it's not even necessarily that they're malicious or they're ill-intentioned, but if you don't have anything going on, they do. And, and, and they'll, they'll be happy to, to get you on board um, with their program. I, I think it's important for me to, I think it's important for all of us to, to intentionally think about what we're trying to get done mm-hmm. as Christians, identify the values that you really honestly do have. And the problem is we always know the right answer. We know what our values should be, Yep. but, but I don't know that we always know the authentic answer, which is, this is what my values are. And I think it's important that we, Take some stock. If this was a business class, I would talk about a SWOT analysis, the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And strengths and weaknesses are internal. Opportunities and threats are both external. But they, your weaknesses often become your opportunities. 
And you just need to start figuring out. And by the way, something else, and we don't talk about this in class very often, is sometimes your strengths end up being your threats. Um, that, that, that your strengths, that you're really good at something, make you, it, it, it can start acting against you, working against you. Because look, I, I think like you, I think I do a pretty good job with the podcast. It's hard for me to think of anybody else doing it. It's, it was hard for me to let go of parts of it because they wouldn't do it exactly like I would. You know what? That's hard for me to let go of some of those things. I don't know that I always bring the best value. So for example, last you and I were talking about this part before uh, we started doing this. I have started to outsource my editing, but I got to tell you, Ben, I am an excellent editor. I am a really good editor. I know how to do it really well. But the thing is, I think I'm a better host than I am an editor. And it is hard for me to give that up. I, when I started doing that, I regained about 12 hours. And, and so that was a big reason why you gave it up. It was, it was the bottleneck. And I, I recognized that, that in the entire process, the podcast, I was my biggest problem. Mm. Uh, th th that I have to get out of the way of some things that I do pretty well, but there are people who do it better. And, and, I, and I have to get out of my own way on that. Well, you said a lot of great stuff, man. I got to circle back to a couple of things. So sure. what you said about saying no, I really appreciate that, especially the fact that you had mentioned don't forget that the person who may be asking you for something yeah. had to have the courage. So acknowledging that, explaining, following through, or maybe, you know, saying, Hey, can we do this another time uh, as well? So thank you for that. That's a, that's a great pattern or thought process to, to really have when saying no. Um, the values that that was really good. And what stood out to me with that too, was I just read something this morning the day of this podcast on values. I was reading a, uh, a coach that I follow and he sends out a, a newsletter every day. And he was talking about values, about uh, knowing your values and, um, um, and what you said about authentic answers of what our values are. And I would imagine that would take, not imagine, I know it takes time and being intentional to actually give ourselves that space to identify, okay, who am I really? What am I trying mm -hmm. to do? What is it that I really value? And I think this leads us to another question, balancing the Christian life. Mm -hmm. Is there such a thing as balance? Let's talk a little bit more about that. What do you mean when you talk about in your podcast, balancing the Christian life? Is that balancing with respect to online media? Is it balancing with all the different aspects of our lives? Give us some insight <laughs> about that. Well, now you're asking me to define the thing that I wanted everybody to define for themselves. I, I, I think one of the things, it was one of the first things that I said in, 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 the, in the podcast was, uh, it's almost a, a ridiculous line because the first thing God tells us is, I don't want you to be balanced. I want you to be completely focused on me. And, and I think that's, that's a good way to start thinking about it, is, is that, that it, it's not that you're giving equal anything. Look, I mean, I've heard that that ridiculous statement where a marriage is 50-50. No, it's not. You know that. Yep. It's not 50-50. I mean, the, the, the poetic thing to say after that is it's 100-100. And even then, it's not always that. You, you realize that as you go through a relationship with 
you know, somebody that you've committed lifelong to. There are times when I'm more in than my wife, and there are times that that my wife is more in than I am. And and the thing about it is, and this is one of the things that I, I really appreciate. She's she doesn't listen to my podcast. She doesn't participate in any of this stuff because I need somebody at the end of the day to say, Kenny, you're being an idiot. You are just being really stupid here. And you need to stop that. And you, I need that. I need grounding. I need grounding because it's easy for me to go chase the next shiny object. And, and I, I need somebody who, I mean, the reason I started the podcast Number one, I had a great passion for it, and number two, my wife looked at, looked in in my in where I keep my stuff, and she said, "Okay, I've noticed that you've had all this podcasting stuff for about two years. Are you going to do anything with this? Are you going to do anything? Are we? Or can can I go ahead and start getting rid of it?" And I tell you what, she value she clarified my values right quick. I mean, it was like you know you know what, <laughs> done is better than perfect, didn't it? Yep. And and let me go ahead and, and try this because I was too scared to try. And so I, I thought that for me was, was really good. And that, that was really important for me. Uh, your question and make sure that I'm answering your question. Sure. Why is it balancing the Christian life? And what does it mean to live in balance? Yeah. I don't know that I can answer that really. Okay. Because I, I think one of the things that I like about this is the relationships that you have None of them are imbalanced, but they all need to be part of. Yeah, and, and you need to figure out which which relationships make a real difference. Mm. And and again, and I said this earlier, you have to you have to choose which relationships will make will change you. Yeah. If you don't, you will kind of be rudderless. Um. I, <laughs> when I was in college, and I'm a college professor, so I hear this all the time. Every girl wants the natural relationship, but every guy who has ever been interested in a girl knows there is no such thing as a natural relationship. As soon as you figure out she's cute, <laughs> you learn her schedule right quick so that you can quote unquote, be in the right place at the right time. Yep. And that you are in a natural setting. No, no, it's not natural. Yep. It is completely engineered. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think you need to be that intentional with the rest of your life as well. Yeah. You need to start engineering the relationships that, that will make you better. And not, I'm not against this idea of, and I, I want to couch this. I talk about this in my classes all the time. I'm using my students. I use people all the time. I use them because they pay my paycheck. Okay. And so I'm using people. Mm -hmm. But that said, if I'm not giving them something that helps them, they shouldn't pay me. Yeah. They, they, they deserve to use me as well. I, I know people that I can help and I help them if I can. Yeah. But I know people that help me mm -hmm. and I help, I try to help them if I can. I, yeah. So anyway, I, I could talk about that for a long time. The, the, the thing is, I'm not going to answer what the balance in the Christian life means. Yeah. I, I've often thought about changing the name of the thing. I, I found out about a year in that there was a book that was written called balancing the Christian life that oh, really? I didn't write. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the author has, has, has passed on, but, but I, I, I just, 
I like the idea, but, but anyway, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is, it, 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 it's something that everybody does have to think about. And I really yeah. love what you said about God. It's so true. Um, I don't want you to, to be balanced. You know, I want all yeah. of you. And I think that's such a powerful point for us to think about no matter what other activities, hobbies, professions uh, that we have that ultimately he's always going to be first in our lives. Well, and it's the relationship that makes the most difference. And, and it, look, I, I, I've used I've used this example a lot, and at, I'm in my parents' house right now. Um, the relationship that I have with my parents is much different now yes. than I'm a 52 year old man mm-hmm. who has raised his children and, and 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 watching them basically leave the nest one at a time. I when I was a child. I was worried about punishment. I was worried about an allowance. I was worried about <laughs> stupid stuff. Now that I'm a grown man, I I don't worry about those things anymore. But I tell you what, I love my parents. And what keeps me coming back to Bowling Green, Kentucky from Tampa, Florida, which is not a short trip, is because I love my parents. If you if you are only motivated by heaven, if you're only motivated from not going to hell, that's not a very mature relationship. There comes a point where you have to fall in love with God. Yeah. And, and that that's, it's not that, that heaven or hell aren't real. It's not that, that not even that they're not real. Look, I mean, if I did something really stupid when I was a kid, I would feel it. Sometimes I feel it on my backside. Sometimes I just, I, I just feel it. Yeah. Punishment is real. Mm-hmm. Reward is real. But relationship is real too. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Thank you for that. <laughs> You've mentioned being a professor. Yes, sir. I'm curious about this as well. Mm-hmm. How did you get on the path to becoming a communications professor? Walk us through that. Oh, my goodness. Um I was in television uh, in Bowling Green, Kentucky, right where I am. And I I went from Bowling Green to Louisville, Kentucky, which is a larger market television station. And I did television altogether about five years. But one of the things I figured figured out about television is it's a very lonely profession. And um, I I knew this one guy. uh, He had worked for the television station in Bowling Green for 20 years. and, And his greatest claim to fame was that he had the same extension cord for that 20 years. And I thought he has poured a lot of devotion to an, into an extension cord. And that, that extension cord will never reciprocate that. Um, I, I just, at some point, I, I started figuring out that this was not an exciting part in my, an exciting profession for me. And so I, I was not happy while I was in Bowling Green. I got a, I got a master's degree in communication because wasn't dating anybody, didn't have anything else going on, so why not? And uh, when I went up to Louisville, the chair of the communication department needed somebody to teach for a year. And she said, look, I've got this opening. It's a, it's what they call an adjunct position, which is basically a, a temporary teacher. She said, I can give you a contract for a year. And And she said, would you be interested? And I was like, Sure. Once I got back into, once I got into the classroom as the guy who was talking in front of everybody, I was like, yeah, this is it. 
this just fits. And I noticed that these 18 to 22 year olds, and I asked, there's an old saying in academia called in local parentis. In other words, the local parent. And at the very least, I knew I could have, I had something that I could offer 18 to 22 year olds. Um, I wanted to tell them things that I, I learned and part of it was communication, but the beauty of communication is it's so broad. And, and one of the things that I knew I needed to tell them was it's important how you say things. It's important that the words you use, but what's more important are the relationships that you have. Uh, and, and this is an example that I use a lot. I mean, you think about the person you cannot stand that is a polished public speaker who just who just is, is really, really good, but you know, he's an idiot. You know that, that he is, he, he uses people, you know, he's a manipulator. And then you have your mom get up there and you know, she's going to butcher it and she's not going to do very good. And then she's, she's going to mess up that story that, you know, she hasn't memorized. And then you watch them both sit down and who did a better job. And to a person, they will all say their mom. Why? Yep. It's because the relationship is there. Before you say a word, most of your audience is won or lost. Before you say a word. um, I've talked about this before. And that's something that I knew. And I I, I knew that that I knew that's something I could teach students. If your relationships are good, it almost doesn't make any difference what you say. Um, I mean, you think about how many sermons from Paul do we have? Mm-hmm. We, we, but do we know the character of Paul? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Paul is an awfully persuasive person, not because of the sermons he preached, but mm-hmm. because of the life that he lived. Mm-hmm. Um, we do know some of the sermons of Jesus, but what is far more persuasive are the acts of Jesus. And, you know, we can, we can talk about the Sermon on the Mount if we want to, but, which is Jesus' theology. But when we start actually applying Christianity, it looks a lot like the things Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Dallas Willard, who, is, who is an, was an evangelical, said that, that he worried that too many people were what he called vampire Christians. Mm. That they just came for the blood, but they didn't come for anything else. Wow. <laughs> and the... The the thing about Christianity is if you are only using Jesus for a sacrifice, if you are only using him for a blood, you're missing the best part. The, the thing that is impressive about Jesus is how he took a bunch of idiots and say and, and pointed them to something and made. I mean, not a single one of those guys were academics. Not a single one of those guys had any business in a temple. Not a single one of those guys had any business talking to smart people about, about religion. And yet they all did. Yeah. That's, that's impressive. And, and that's, it had something to do with theology, had a lot to do with God being in them, but it was a relationship that drove them there. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. You've said so many great things and I, I appreciate this. Um, this conversation is going to carry me through the rest of the day. <laughs> I'm serious. This has been very encouraging to me. I'm, I'm being serious about that. I, I really liked what stood out to me. One of the things before you say a word, which I think is so critical. So for me being a preacher, mm-hmm. 
I think you're exactly right where, and I've been thinking about this. One of our members actually gave me a sermon idea about it's, it's, it would be a sermon really about listening, you know, how easy it is to turn things off. Like, you know, if I put up on a slide, the word baptism Mm -hmm. for some Christians, they may say, Oh man, another sermon on baptism. Look, we're already baptized. We already get it. Right. Helping, helping them to see, well, there's a lot of other things. So it's not just per se about baptism, but it's about how we listen and how we can turn off someone. And that idea before you say a word with relationships, I think definitely applies. I think that would also apply as well with uh, families, uh, the family yeah. dynamic, marriages, things like that. What if what what uh, advice or wisdom would you give with respect to communication? That was going to be my next question. Uh, any tips or recommendations? And you answered a lot of it there. How we say things, relationships. Let's say though, you find yourself in a in an environment where you don't have any of those relationships. Right, right, you just right. Haven't had the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to effective communication, um, what thoughts or tips could you give to someone? Uh, that's going to go into a new situation. So Wednesday, I went to a congregation. I'd been there. Mm-hmm. It'd been about six years. A, a lot of yeah. new people there. I get one opportunity to preach one sermon. That's it. Right. So when I think about situations like that, what advice as a communications professor, podcaster, <laughs> I can give that could help individuals who are trying to be a little bit more effective in their communication? Well, realize that one of the best books that I know about communication is by Dale Carnegie. It's it's the old standard, how to win friends and influence people. Uh, Carnegie was was actually a public speaking uh, instructor. Uh, he taught down at the YMCA, if I'm not mistaken. But, but one of the things he, underst- he understood was, again, it's relational, that, that good com- communication is all relational. And, and he talks a lot about learning people's names, uh, talking about who they are and what makes a difference to them. Um, if, I was, if I was going to be speaking to a group of people that did not know me and I did not know them, you and I both knew Dee Bowman, quite possibly one of the very best public speakers because one of the things that deep he there there were a lot of things d would say um that not many other people could get away with but one of them one of the things that he said and i don't know why you would believe this but you did every time i love you i mean he just he just flat out said it and nobody ever questioned that if you can communicate that, either in words or in actions, that I have your best interests in heart, that I'm not that I'm not trying to pull one over on you. If if an audience knows that you're in their corner, they'll let you say a lot. Um, my. I'll go ahead and tell you the people who have license to criticize me are my wife and and my, my family, Mm. because I know they need me to be better. Yeah. If it's somebody who doesn't know me, who doesn't care about me, they can criticize me all day long. I'm just not going to listen. 
because I don't have anything invested, invested in them. When you can communicate love, I know this sounds really sappy. This, this is a no, great hallmark. No, please but, share. But if you can, can, if you can get genuinely interested in other people, yes. And if you can show them that you, if, that you genuinely love them and not, not in, in a, in a sappy sentimental way, but I really want good things for you. I want you to do good things. I want you to do important things that it gets beyond what you're dressing. It gets beyond the words. It gets beyond everything else Mm -hmm. because they will put up with a lot. The other thing is the, and I've said this already, they won't listen to any of your criticism. If you don't if they don't recognize Dean Bowman, again, has probably preached some of the most excoriating sermons I've ever heard. But unless and until you can get to that point of, I love you, the rest of it doesn't make any difference. I, I, I see a lot of people that like to excoriate Christians, especially on some of these Christian Facebook groups. They love to beat them up. And you know how much difference that makes? None. Why? If I wanted to get beat up today, I, well, let me just put it this way. I, I didn't wake up this morning thinking I need to get beat up a little bit. I need to feel bad about myself. I need to feel horrible. But you know what? My wife come in here. She can level me pretty quickly. You didn't do this for your son. Oh, man. Takes her two lines. You know why? She loves me. She wants me to do better. She wants things to get better. She, the criticism comes from, from a place where she really wants me to change. That's where it makes a difference. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes great sense. Okay. That. Yeah. So you have a pretty big project. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Bear with us what's taking place here in a couple of weeks and uh, what's it all about? Where can people find it and join it? It's called the Balancing the Christian Life uh, Lecture Series. I've... <laughs> The biggest misnomer of this is is that it's me doing it. Mm. Um, it's not. It's six or seven people, and and I'm just the 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 pretty face at the at the at the at the front of it. Um, but it's it's forty seven speakers, um, and I, I don't mind at all saying this is an experiment. I I'm an advocate of online communication. Uh, I'm not just an advocate. I'm a cheerleader. I would, I would put on, I would do the pom poms, the whole nine yards. And I, because I think there are exceptional ways to use these mediums in, in ways that will actually help other people. So this is my proof of concept that we can use this stuff for good stuff. And so we have six, well, actually five unique tracks that are divided up into six. So one of them is what I call digital discipleship or how do you use online tools in your church, in your congregation? I consider that kind of the how-to track and I oversee that one. And so we have some people talking about podcasting. We have uh, Brady Cook, who you and I both know, 
talking about uh, search engine optimization. And Brady has great stories about that, where he talks about uh, one church that was hoping to, to rank high, but, but the problem was church's chicken was ranking higher than they were. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. So anyway, I've got, I've got the, the Appium Media boys, uh, Stuart yep. Peck and, and Craig DeHutt, talking about how do you teach using techn- uh, d- digital technology? I mean, these guys are smarter than I am, far, far smarter than I am. And the, the, we're, we're going to be talking about the how-to, and, and it's going to have questions and Q&A if you're interested in it. Um, and then we've got what I call two tracks of digital, I'm sorry, practical Christianity. That's, uh, you're doing a session on that where, where you're talking about, you say, living intentionally. And I, I, I've, I'm sure it's talking about priorities and things like that, which makes so much sense to me. But I've got Adam Shanks talking about Christian finances. I've got Edward Crozier, who is fabulous, uh, talking about prayer. I mean, just really practical things about how do you do Christianity better? Um, then I've got um, I, I, the two sex, sessions of that. Hal Hammonds, who has been my right arm on all this, and Nathan Cox, who's probably been my other arm on this, they, they set up the, the practical Christianity tracks. And then, then I've got a, another one, which is Steve Wolfgang, who is just a brilliant man, talking about uh, the book of Colossians. He said, I, I can't understand why you would do this and not have somebody talking about the Bible. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know, Steve. It sounds like you just signed up for a job, man. <laughs> and so, so he said, "If well, if nobody else will do it, I'll do it. And I said, the job is yours. So he's lined up. Uh, it, it's a short book, but, but, the, but, but they've got a, a few sessions that where they're just going to talk about Colossians. So, and then I had Jennifer Ackett, and she's doing um, uh, a women's track. And, and she's got a bunch of people you know as well. Julie Adams is going to be in there. And, and Jennifer just has a fascinating story all her own. And then finally, my buddy uh, and the guy who performed my marriage, uh, Mark McCrary, uh, just, just one of the very best guys I know. Um, he took over the leadership track. And, and one of the things that I know, especially for you guys, you preachers, you, you guys have this informal network where you guys talk all the time. I don't know that that exists in leadership as much as I, in my opinion, I think it should. I, I think there's some people who, who know how to do leadership really well, and I just need them to talk to each other. And so the leadership track is, is, is basically that. It's just an excuse to start getting people together that, that are into leadership. It's not free. Uh, is there a profit motive behind this? Yeah, I, I, n- no doubt. The part of this is a profit motive. But But let me tell you, <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to break even. I've, I've used software where people are able to talk with one another. These are not just Zoom sessions. Yeah. Uh, right now, it's, it's going on right now. I have 245 discussion posts, uh, not posts, uh, posts within discussion boards. Um, it's people talking with other people. Yeah. Um, if I have any superpower, I think my superpower is connecting people. And I think that's what I probably do better than almost anything else. I think I know how to connect people. Um, I can talk pretty good sometimes, <laughs> but, but I think getting people together is probably what I'm actually pretty good at. So that's what I'm trying to, to get done with this. Um, I, I have had some very generous people who've contributed with asking nothing just contributed money to make this happen. 
Um, I've, I've put, put in money from my, from my personal savings as well. I hope that it breaks even this year. If it doesn't, I've already committed to doing it next year. Nice. Uh, this is not something it would be foolish for me to make a ton of mistakes this year yep. and not try it next year. Absolutely. So, so I, I have, I have already, I've already started pulling together things for next year. Fantastic. Where can people sign up? Sure. It's, it's uh, balancing the Christian life.com. If you look on the top there, there are two links there. I'm using two and this will change next year. I'm one, one of them is, is to sign up for it. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's $70 for the, but if, if you'll, it's $70 for the, for the live session. If you want to just get the videos, I can get that for you as well. I think that's $40. Uh, if you'll use the promo code um, Excel, which is a promo code that I set up for my buddy, Chris Emerson, um, that will, I think, give you 25% off that that middle tier, that $70 tier, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, takes it down to about 50 bucks. So, I mean, um, and hopefully it'll be something worthwhile. It's a grand experiment. I, ho- I hope it works works out. If you want to see the the actual agenda, the, the speaker grid, what we call the speaker grid, who's talking, um, you click on, on um, schedule and it'll show you everybody who's, who's speaking. It'll show you when they're speaking, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, it, hopefully it'll be a good time. I will tell you already, Kenny, it's already been successful. Uh, I said that <laughs> because just like with your podcast, you started, you know, you it'll sound like you waited a couple of years having all the stuff and your wife saying, hey, what are you going to do? Yeah. You took that first step. That's really where the success begins. And what you're doing with this, you already are successful. It's been about a year since you and I spoke. Yeah. I was in the kitchen. It was a Saturday. And <laughs> you're talking about this. And a lot of people talk, but you followed through. So it's already a success. And we anticipate that it will be a great success. And the fact that you're you're following through. 47 speakers, if I remember correctly, if that's what you said. That's right. Amazing. And so uh, excellent job using um, uh, these platforms, using social media for good. And this has just been really encouraging to me. If I could, and I want you to uh, leave the audience with a call to action. Uh, You're (laughs) going to get the final word. But let me tell you a few words that stood out to me from you today, Kenny, that I'm going to remember. No. And how to say no. Uh, mm-hmm. just fantastic values, know your values and then relationships. Uh, you know, I was going to ask you so many questions about effective communication with, you know, presentation or pausing. I was thinking about all these things with you being a professor and interaction and things like that, but the emphasis that you've put on relationships and how that can cut through so much, uh, just says so much. What call to action do you want to leave us all with? What oh, you, you, you can guess this. You can guess this. <laughs> you can guess this. I can guess it, but I want you to say it. Benjamin has been on my podcast, but the other thing, and I'll go ahead and tell, say this as well. You do, you've done a great job with this. I have been very impressed with, 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 with what you do. Um, I end all of my podcast episodes with be good and do good. It's basically something that, that I learned from, from reading about uh, Abigail Adams. And it was something, it was her way of, of, of summarizing Christianity. And I think she got it. 
I, I, I think in, there are a couple of places where you can find that in scripture, one in, in Psalms. But I think it's, it's important to be good, choose good values, and to do good to other people. And I think if you can master that, you will have mastered Christianity. So that's me. Yeah. Thank you, Kenny. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Benjamin. This has been so much fun. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are in the need or are looking for more motivation in your life, feel free to check out my website, benjaminlee.blog, where you can find hundreds of encouraging, motivational blog posts on a variety of subjects. You can find all of my books, which can also be found on amazon.com and other podcast interviews with a variety of people. I hope this helps. Please leave me a rating and a review. I can do and... So can you. Take care and God bless.